It is good to be in this place with you, to be gathered with you online today as well. We're in the second week of a series that uh, I have chosen to call Chosen. And no, I did not know that there would be a TV series streaming under the name The Chosen at the same time I was doing that. In fact, I haven't watched it yet. I had a few people who who were like, Pastor, is this a correlation? I'm like, are you kidding me? They don't ask my opinion uh, on that kind of thing. And I didn't check the the TV guides. That's just a part of it. I just wanted, though, to tell you that I have no idea what that series is about. If you're watching it, inform me, all right? Uh, The other thing I want to let you know, though, is that I do have an idea about people who are chosen and the view of being chosen in our culture right now. Because while we talked last week about Silas being chosen in spite of his giftedness and being chosen to serve, even though he was a gifted speaker and orator and encourager, he was chosen to walk alongside the Apostle Paul Uh, to serve. This week, I I just need to talk to you about why we're chosen. See, we we live in a culture. I've been watching this for the last several decades, actually, since my my sons were small. See, when I was growing up, um, you were recognized for accomplishments, okay? Um, if you failed to accomplish something, you weren't chastised too badly, but but you were were asked to, to step up and do a little better. And then my sons came along. And, and I'll be honest, I love my sons. They're wonderful. They're talented. They've grown into men who love Jesus and love their families, and, and I'm grateful for that. But, but I have to tell you, they were not always the best athlete at the Little League field, all right? They were not always the best singer. In fact, they were never the best singer in the choir, all right? And, and it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit when uh, they started bringing home trophies. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. You just were on the team. And they're like, yeah, but I get a trophy for being on the team. I, I, I really, I had to pray hard. I had deep resentment because in my generation, you had to work to get the trophy, all right? And these guys are just like filling up the little shelves in their rooms, you know, I'm just like, I guess what it is is you pay the entry fee, you get the trophy, all right? And we've kind of raised a generation of people who think that being chosen means that you're special and that everybody's special and that we're all chosen. And can I tell you something? In the Scriptures, that is not what the word chosen means. In in fact, in the Scriptures, you you are not chosen just because you're special. No, you're, you're chosen. You're chosen in order to learn. I mean, think about it. Every Old Testament character, um, when God spoke to Abraham and called him out of the land of Ur, Abraham, hey, listen, I need you to leave everything behind that you know, not because you're special, but because I have chosen you, and if you will learn from me, I will do this. Moses, Moses, I know you blew it, all right? You were given everything early in your life, raised in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's rooms in his castle, if you would, and, and raised by his daughter. But then you killed a man, and now you've been on the backside of a desert for 40 years. Hey, Moses, if you will do what I ask you to do, I've chosen you to do something, but you have to choose. See, you are chosen in order to learn. And, and so this morning, we're going to pick up this this story of the early church from the book of Acts, 
with a story of what it means to be chosen to learn. We're going we're to focus on the life of a, of a man that we first meet in Acts chapter 16. He's a, he's a young man. His name is Timothy. Now, he lives in a, a city called Lystra, which is close to another little city called Derby, and they're in a region called Iconium. And Timothy has been raised by his mother, as a, who is a Jewish woman of faith, and his father, who is a Greek man, who is not a follower of Yahweh. And yet, he's heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus from the apostle Paul and the work that, that Paul had done in Derby and Lystra. And, and now he is being chosen by Paul to step into a role of serving and learning. Now, throughout the Scriptures, we discover that, that he becomes like Paul's son. He becomes the person that Paul pours into and Paul entrusts with everything that Paul has learned. But along the way, he's been chosen not because he's special, not because he has great talent, but because he has been chosen to learn. And I would suggest to you, for your consideration this morning, that that's exactly why you and I are chosen. Yes, every one of us is created in the image of God. Yes, every one of us is unique in God's world. Yes, every one of us has God invitation to live in relationship with Him. But that invitation is an invitation to learn the difference between the way you and I see the world and the way God sees the world. It's an invitation to learn the difference between the way God reacts to situations and we react to situations. It's an invitation to learn to spend our life constantly growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that as we grow in that relationship, we discover more and more how God wired us and what he had planned for us. And, and this particular story starts in what I would consider a very unique way. Because you see, Derby and Lystra, the Apostle Paul went there the first time with Barnabas. And for those of you who've been with us online or on campus or on demand over the last few months, you know that we talked a few weeks ago about this was a place where when Paul and Barnabas went there, when they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, there was a man who was crippled. He'd been crippled since birth. And it was in that place in Lystra that, that Paul looked at the man and proclaimed in the name of Jesus Christ that that man should be healed and that man should walk. And the man stood up and walked. And when he stood up and walked, the people were amazed. The, the, the people who had no Jewish faith, had no Jewish background, had no Hebrew heritage at all. They saw this man they had known all their lives who could not walk, and now suddenly, miraculously, in the name of this Jesus, he was walking, and it had come pronounced by this Paul and this Barnabas, and they were absolutely convinced that these were, these were gods, and that Paul and Barnabas were gods, and that they had, they had come to visit their little town. And so they began to proclaim to Paul and Barnabas and call them by the names of their Greek gods, and, and Paul and Barnabas were like, no, 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 that's not us. We didn't heal the man. Jesus healed the man. We did this in the name of Jesus. But they were so overwhelmed by what they saw that the people began to, the people began to, to give all these accolades. And, and when they did, the, the, the Pharisees among the Jewish people in that city became upset. In fact, they became so upset that they they went outside the city gates. They dragged Paul outside the city gates. They picked up rocks, and they began 
They began to stone him, to, to throw the rocks at him until he was unconscious. I mean, they, they stoned him and left him for dead outside the city gates of Lystra. And when they did that, then the, the people who had come to believe in Jesus as Messiah, they, they came around, they gathered around him, and they began to pray. And, and Paul wasn't dead. He was just unconscious. And he rose up because of the strength of their prayers and went back into the city and and then he left that area. I tell you that story because here's the amazing thing to me. The Apostle Paul, after he and Barnabas had separated and, and Barnabas went back to Cyprus and Paul is going on his missionary journey with Silas, he chooses for the first place he's going to go. He chooses to go back to the place where they threw the rocks at him until they thought he was dead. I mean, if it's me, I'm picking an easy place, right? I mean, I got this Silas with me. He's never done this before. And we're going to go to this place where, you know, the people know me already. If I'm going I'm, I'm to go somewhere, no. No, he goes to Derby and Lystra. And listen to what happens in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and the region of Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they shared the decisions that had been made by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, why am I talking to you about chosen to learn? Why am I talking to you about Timothy? And why am I reading you about, to you about this, this situation in the first town that he goes to? Because I think in the relationship that we see in its infancy right here, this is the beginning of a relationship that we will see throughout Timothy's life. If you read your New Testament, you'll know that throughout all of Paul's travels on this second missionary journey, Timothy grows every, with every day, with every opportunity. Timothy grows more and more in his relationship with Jesus and his relationship with Paul, and Paul trusts him more. And so much so that, that Paul leaves him in charge of the church at Ephesus. And we have two letters in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, that Paul wrote many years after this encounter where he meets Timothy. He writes to Timothy and tells him about what he's to do and how he's to lead and how he's to learn how to serve because he's been chosen to learn. And I think in this relationship there are five things that we have to learn. In the 21st century, I think it's imperative, coming out of a pandemic, whenever we get released from this thing entirely, we've got to know as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, we've got to understand what it is that we've been chosen to learn. God's not going to waste all of this stuff we've been through in the last year. He's not going to waste all of the opportunities we've had to learn about what it means to be better together, to learn what it means to take seriously the opportunities to help one another. He's not going to, he's not going to let all of that just go away. See, for those of you who are like, as soon as we get past this, we're going back to where we were. I don't want to go back. I want to learn from what I've been in. I want to figure out what it is God wants to do in us in the future. Because you know what I figured out a long time ago? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here yet. Today is all I've got. 
And I need to learn from yesterday and have faith in tomorrow and live in the reality of today. And what I want to encourage you to do today is to learn from the life of Timothy. The same things Timothy was chosen to learn. I believe you and I have been chosen to learn as well. And so here's the first thing. The first thing Timothy was chosen to learn was the value of preparation. The, the value of being prepared by God for whatever it is he wants to do in your life. Because God doesn't waste anything. And he uses your experiences. He uses your background. He uses your talents to prepare you for what he wants to do in your life. I mean, look at this passage again, those first couple of verses. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Well spoken of means he was respected. See, Timothy was more than likely at that stoning where Paul was stoned and, and they thought he was dead. Timothy was more than likely involved in that group of people who were surrounding him and praying. His mother definitely was. His grandmother definitely was. These were the people that were a part of the body of Christ in this city. And now these people have watched Timothy grow up. They've watched him go from boy to young adult. And they are watching him and they're going, you know what? This, this guy gets it. He understands he's not special because of his talents. He understands he's special because Jesus Christ lives in him. He understands that he's not here at, for the world to bow at his feet. He's here to serve those whose feet he bows at as a servant of Jesus Christ. See, the, the idea is that, that in your life, you're either failing or preparing. And sometimes it's both. Sometimes the best the best preparation you get is the failure. You remember, don't you, the, the Thomas Edison quote when the guy came to him one time and, and said, Mr. Edison, you have all of these different ways that you've tried to create the light bulb and you haven't made it work yet. And he says, what have you learned from that? He said, I've learned a thousand things that don't work. But I've learned one thing. I'll keep looking. See, I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what God's doing to prepare you. I know God prepares you. In my life, I've watched him do it over and over and over again. In fact, in fact, years ago, when, when I was in my early years of my doctoral training at Emory University, I, I was in a class. It was a required class for me. It was, it was called the National Institute on Church Finance and Administration. And it was all about accrual-based accounting and how the church tax laws work and how to handle employees in the church. I was pastoring a church that had two employees, me and a custodian. And I'm sitting in the classroom going, why in the world am I taking this class? I don't want to take this. And you come, some of you university students, have you ever had this feeling this semester? Why am I taking this class? What am I going to do with this class? Can I tell you that two years after I took that class, God called me away from that church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Daytona Beach, Florida, to pastor the church called White Chapel Church of God, which is the overarching institution for a school called Warner Christian Academy. And if you're the senior pastor at White Chapel Church of God, which that was the calling I was called to, you automatically became the president of Warner Christian Academy, which means that you had two ministries to supervise, a church of hundreds of people and a school with hundreds of students. And oh, by the way, a hundred employees. Suddenly, I'm digging for the notes that I had taken in that class two years earlier. Because now suddenly, all those things I learned, they suddenly were very, very important to me. Suddenly, I realized I had been prepared before I had ever gotten there. 
You see, if you want to be a learner, if you want to be somebody who's chosen to learn, if you want to be somebody who's chosen to serve, then you've got to understand God is using what you're going through right now. I mean, it's hard to believe, isn't it, that we're going to have to learn from this pandemic? But guys, we've been doing that. We've been learning every day about what we need to do. And so, if you want to understand just how chosen you really are, chosen that you've been, you've been chosen to learn the value of being prepared for what's coming. The second thing that happened to Timothy uh, is that he learned that he was chosen to learn the value of preferring others. See, that's another thing this pandemic, I hope, has taught us. I, I hope it's taught us how to value what it means to to put other people's needs ahead of our own. Because that's exactly what God did to Timothy. I mean, look at, look at what happens to him. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. Remember, these are the people who stoned Paul earlier. Because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been made been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, you'll miss this if you don't know the whole story, but you got to understand, Timothy was circumcised. It was a physical act that he was voluntarily asked to do. He didn't have to be circumcised. Paul is carrying in his possession with Silas letters from the church in Jerusalem that says, if you're Gentile, if you, if you were born and you weren't Jewish, you don't have to be circumcised to follow Jesus. That was what the whole council in Jerusalem was about. And here he is with a letter to everybody doing that. And yet, because Timothy's mother was Jewish, Paul says to him, hey, Timothy, look, man, here's what I want you to do. These people here are not going to listen to you if you have a Jewish background and you weren't circumcised because you didn't have to be because your dad was Greek. But Timothy, we love those people too. We love even those people who tried to kill me, Timothy. We love them enough that I'm going to ask you to do something you don't have to do. Friend, I need you to hear that. You see, a lot of what we have to learn in the Christian church today is that it is not about our rights. It's about our preference of what God wants to do in us. That's why Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment, responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, part of the value of being chosen to learn is that you learn not only are you being prepared for what God has for you, but you are also being prepared. You are also being taught what it means to put other people's needs in front of your own, even if it means sacrifice for you. Because Timothy didn't have to be circumcised. And I've got news for you. If you've not been circumcised and you're an adult male, that's really not something you would choose to have done to you. It's painful. But I want to also tell you that there are some things in the life of a Christian in the 21st century, some things in the life of the church in the 21st century that we have to choose to do for the good of other people because we love them so much that we're willing to put ourselves out. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to walk through the hurt, the pain, the trial. Because if we're really chosen to serve, we're chosen to learn. And Timothy Timothy teaches us that we, we have to value what it means to put other people 
needs ahead of our own. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. In fact, it may be the most difficult thing you're called to do in your entire life. But if you can do it, if you can do it, you're going you're gonna to discover something. You're going to discover what Timothy discovered, that you have been chosen to learn the value of God's design for your life. Because God has a design for your life. God has a plan for your life. Jesus Christ didn't just die to save you so that you could be set up on a shelf and everybody could look at you and go, wow, look at them. No. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Jesus conquered sin and death and hell, and he offers you that salvation so that you can enter into a relationship with God through him, and in that relationship, you can learn what it means to be prepared, and you can learn what it means to prefer others, and you can learn what it means to discover what God wants to do in your life. Not just what you want to do with your life. Not just what your peers think you ought to do. Not just anything that comes along the highway. No, no. You have a unique calling. God has gifted you in unique ways. And if you'll learn to value that, God's design for your life, you'll, you'll discover a depth of life you've never, ever experienced before. You say, Pastor, how do you get that out of that Acts passage? I didn't. I got it out of the letter that, that Paul wrote to Timothy later on. It's in the second letter that he wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 5. L look at it. He said, I I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, what, what Paul's telling Timothy later on in his life, when Timothy's now in charge of the church in Ephesus, he's been left there and given the responsibility of shepherding those believers in Jesus Christ. Now, now Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I know you're going to get tired. Anybody else here tired of pandemic? <laughs> Anybody else here tired of social distancing? You have no idea how much I want to hug some of you. Some of you are like, not me, Pastor. I don't want you to hug me. Well, that's all right. That's your problem. All right. But, but, but the fact is, the fact is, I want you safe more than I want you hugged. I, I, I want you growing more than I, I want my own needs. Can I tell you? that I've been so, so blessed by you as a church, by your patience, by your, your flexibility, by your willingness to, to do what's best for others. And, and what Paul's telling Timothy is, look, Timothy, you have this gift in you. I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. I know that pastoring those people in Ephesus is not the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. Probably not what you signed up for when we left Lystra and Derby and Iconium years ago. But hey, Timothy, I just want to let you know, you've been equipped for this. God has prepared you for this. Fan into flame the gift that's been given to you. My dear friends, I believe that's God's word for the church these days. I believe in these days as we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel and we're beginning to figure out some of the things that have happened during the last 12 or 13 months in this nation and what's happening even now around the world because of this virus, that the role of the church is not to stand up and proclaim what was, but to proclaim what is in Jesus Christ and what will be in Jesus Christ.
to value the fact that Jesus prepares us even in the hard times, to value the fact that, that Jesus teaches us to, to love others more than ourselves, that, that Jesus is the one who tells us, you know what? If you listen to me, if you trust me, I, I can be trusted even in the hard times because I have a plan for you. I have a design for your life. The, the next thing that, that I think Timothy learned that we can learn, I think we're chosen to learn the impact of God's Word upon us. You see, I, I do believe the Bible is true. I do believe that in everything it affirms, you can trust Scripture. I believe that there is no other source, no other resource in all the world that will teach you as much about how to live in relationship with God as the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Word of God. I believe that's huge. And for those of you who have already been filling out the survey that, that we sent, there are hundreds of you who've already filled out those surveys, and I, I'm so grateful for that. It's going to be so helpful to us. But, but there are a couple of things in it that, that I've already seen from the hundreds of you who filled it out. One, one of them is this, that for many of you, you've begun to read the Bible more in the last 12 months than you did before. And that percentage-wise, there are more of you reading the Bible more and more of you reading the Bible the same, and very few of you who are reading the Bible less, or at least that's what you're putting on the survey. And what I want you to know is you can trust the Word of God. It will get us through. God chooses us to learn the impact of God's Word. Look at it. Paul says, hey, Timothy, while you're there in Ephesus, I, I just want you to know Continue in what you've learned and, and what you firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible reading has increased in the last year. I don't think it's a coincidence that last week the number one podcast on Apple Podcast was a, a, a podcast of a pastor reading people the Bible and helping them get through the Bible in a year. I don't think it's a coincidence that sales of the Bible have increased in the last year on Amazon. I don't believe any of those things are coincidence. What I believe is, is that in the middle of a pandemic, God's Spirit is at work saying to people, you've tried everything else for truth. You've tried your political parties, your educational institutions, all of your sociology. I'm just telling you, it's failing you. What will you trust? And people are saying, maybe, maybe just, maybe the church has been right. I can trust God. Maybe I, maybe I need to hear what God has to say more than what the news channel has to say or my favorite podcast has to say. I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, out of a pandemic, God is at work teaching us, helping us learn. But there's one more thing. See, we are chosen to learn the importance of being faithful to the mission of God. When we've been prepared, when we've learned to prefer others, 
when we've discovered the design God has for our life and we understand the impact of God's Word, then, then I believe that God calls each and every one of us to be faithful to His mission in our life and His mission in the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is not some future thing that's going to happen someday at the end of time and all of a sudden then we're going to have the kingdom of God. No, no, the kingdom of God starts right now. It's already here. It began when Jesus began to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near it began when, when Jesus began to show people who God was. It came in fullness on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit dwelt in the church and the church began to be empowered by the Spirit. No, the kingdom of God is not out there. The kingdom of God is in here. And the kingdom of God is in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a member of the kingdom of God, as a participant in what God is doing, you're being asked to, to understand you've been chosen to learn. And the learning never ends. Learning never stops, and it calls you to be faithful to the mission of God in your life. Paul, Paul lets us know that in the way he writes to Timothy in two places. Once in, in a letter he wrote to a church in a place called Corinth, uh, we're going to look in a few weeks at, uh, at what Paul experienced in Corinth, but after Paul was there, that church fell into some really crazy stuff. <laughs> if you, you want to talk about dysfunction, you want to talk about systemic disorientation, then you want to, you want to go read First and Second Corinthians in your Bible. You're, you're going to think, man, did I do anything like that? I mean, there's, there's almost, almost nothing you can do sin-wise those people didn't do. <laughs> and yet, Paul writes to them and tells them how much Jesus loves them. Paul writes to them and tells them how much he loves them. Oh, and by the way, who does he entrust with the letter? He trusts Timothy. Look at what he says to the church in Corinth. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Paul's saying to the church in Corinth, hey, look, if you want to get out of this mess you've made, if, if, you, want to, if you want to find real meaning, then I want, you to, I want you to listen to Timothy. Timothy is my son. He is my child. He is one who knows what I taught you. Go back to those foundational principles. Go back to those things that are essential. Go back to those places and trust God because God has a mission for you, and he's asking you to be faithful to it. And then years later, he would write directly to Timothy. Timothy, this charge I entrust to you because you're my child. In accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. And he goes on to list some people that he and Timothy knew who had started out right. They had started out doing the right things, and now they had ended up, they had ended up shipwrecking their faith. My dear friends, here's what I want you to know. Wherever you are today, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you brought into this room or whatever you have with you in the room where you're sitting, I just need you to know that God has called you. He's chosen you 
to learn how to follow him. And his mission, his kingdom, will never fail you. It will never, ever fail. The question is, will you choose to learn? You've been chosen to learn. But will you choose to learn? I think that's, that's the question we've got to figure out, isn't it? Will we, will we respond to God choosing us by choosing God? By, by choosing to let Him be in charge of our entire life. And so this morning, I, I just would, would really, really want to pray that we could make that choice. Because right now we're living in a world where there's so much division and so much anger and so much animosity and so many things that have to, have to be addressed. And we need God's Word and we need God to help us learn what it means to be His children, to be reconcilers, to be agents of mercy and grace and love. And I want to invite you to choose that today, to choose those places. Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross, to be buried to be raised on the third day, to conquer sin and death and hell. I thank you for sending Jesus to a Damascus road to confront a self-centered, arrogant, religious Saul and turn him into a humble, broken servant named Paul. I thank you for, for the way you have continually worked down through the years in every generation and how you have not forsaken us in this generation. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified by the choices we make. And I ask, I ask that you right now would help us to choose you. To, to understand that you've chosen us so we could choose you. So we could learn what it means to live in a better way than we've been living. So we can learn what it means to, to be prepared by you, to, to prefer others, to, to know that you have a plan for our life, a design for who we are, that, that you are the one who gives us truth in your word, that you are the one who has a mission for our life. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.